Welcome back to Isolated But Not Alone. On our last podcast, we briefly discussed a definition for mental health, and I shared with you something that might have been shocking or surprising, and maybe to some not at all, that not everyone agrees with the definition of mental health. Even therapists have some disagreements on what constitutes mental health. And on this week's podcast, we're going to start talking about some of the different views of mental health. And the first one we're starting out with is a series on transgenerational theories. So stay tuned. Hi, this is James Raines, and you're listening to Isolated But Not Alone, a podcast that seeks to bring mental health awareness to rural and isolated communities. I just wanted to take this time to let you know that this and other content produced by James Raines is not therapy and is not intended to be therapy or to replace therapy. Nothing in this podcast indicates or creates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek one in your area if you are experiencing any type of mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as specific life advice, and it is simply for the purpose of education. Welcome back to Isolated But Not Alone. Today I wanted to start our podcast simply by sharing that most of the information I'm going to provide on these podcasts comes from a myriad of different sources and individuals. Great minds like Diane, Gayhart, Corey and Corey, Alfred Adler, and many, many others. This is not original information from me. Almost all of this has been provided to me by um, all the work of others. And so I'm not taking credit for any of the information that I'm talking about in these podcasts. And I just want to take the time to share that with you um, and share what these great minds have brought to us uh, over the years so that you can share in that as well. So as we ended last week, I brought up the idea of transgenerational theories. And that's just a really fancy way of saying that um, problems are passed through the generations. Hence the word transgenerational. There is a transmission of a problem or an issue from one generation in the family to the next generation of the family. And when I think of this, the first thing that comes to my mind is a personal example. My grandfather struggled with addiction. My father struggled with addiction. I struggle with addiction. So what you see there is a transmission of a similar problem passing its way down through each one of the paternal figures in my life. And what's happened here is that this compulsivity has transmitted down through each one of us. Now that has not always looked the same. For example, my father used narcotics and uh, was an alcoholic, but I myself do not struggle with that, though I have behavior-based addictions. 
And so when I look through the generations, I can see how this transmitted its way down as a problem that was faced. And now as I look at that and think through that model, that has certain ramifications then of how I see mental health and how I move towards change. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the transgenerational theory, but just as like an overview, just so you have an idea of what it looks like, because my job here is not to be teaching therapists or to be teaching um, college level therapy. It's simply to give you an idea of what some of the therapists that you might be interacting with believe. Now, with that being said, I want to make it very clear that there are not a lot of people, if any, nowadays that practice solely what they would consider a classical or a purist approach to therapy. So what I mean by that is there are very few people out there that practice one theory 100%, meaning they take the theory's foundational underpinnings, they use all their interventions, they use their complete conceptual framework, and they only practice within that model. What's more likely to happen is to have a therapist who practices some kind of eclectic model or integrated approach where they might have the theoretical underpinnings of a transgenerational theory, meaning that they believe that problems are passed down through the generations. And maybe they hold to how to address uh, transmission of problems or how to heal from those. But they may use interventions from a completely different model. Or they might use the interventions from an intergenerational model, but have a different conceptual framework from a different theory. So I just kind of want to make that clear so that there's some understanding that the likelihood of having a purist therapist in this day and age would be very rare. Now, I can't say they don't exist 100%, though I've never actually met one, because there might be some out there, and they just are practicing in areas that I, I'm not from or I haven't been to. Um, however, I have met a lot of integrative therapists and a lot of therapists that have more of an eclectic model. Now, when I say eclectic, I don't necessarily mean everything goes. So, for example, I don't mean that they have the theoretical underpinnings of one theory, the interventions of a completely different theory, the conceptual framework of a third theory, um, and then a, like a kind of almost like a melting pot of, of multiple interventions from every ther therapy type out there. Um, I simply mean that they have certain things that they pick and choose from more in a minimalistic mindset. Um, I remember when I was in school, um, coming from a person who has a lot of different and random background experiences. So for example, if this is the first time you're catching this, and if, or if I haven't said it in any previous podcast, I have a very unique work experience history. So I have experience in law enforcement as a career, business as a career, education as a career, post-secondary education as a career and now mental health. So I bring in a very broad spectrum of knowledge 
into how I do therapy and how I myself perceived different theories as I was being taught them in school. And I remember one of my favorite professors <laughs> looked at me and he said, James, you have a unique experience, but if you're not careful, you'll be so eclectic that you really won't be very effective. And so that kind of taught me early on, and that was one of my earlier classes, to like have a mindset of like, wait a minute, if I am too broad with what I believe or how I believe therapy should be, how I define mental health, if I'm not careful, it'll literally shift per client. And what I mean by that is one client might get this type of therapy, another client might get this other type of therapy, and then what happens is I start to lose myself in that. And I start to blend and drown out my effectiveness. And so his advice, and this is the advice that I'm sure lots of therapists have received over the years, is to have one or two theories, modes of practice that we hold to that can be integrated, that can be connected in a very meaningful way, not just together with themselves, but also with us as the therapist, and practice out of those versus just picking and choosing everything from whatever therapy passes by. Plus, there's ethical issues there for a therapist, because part of our mandate to practice is being competent in the various um, theories and modes and different models that we use. And it's very hard to acquire that competency when you are just picking and choosing from each thing. And so with that being said, let's dive into just a summary of transgenerational theories. So first off, there's kind of three big components under this, which are in a sense their own separate theories and have their own separate theorists but are connected over the umbrella of transgenerational. So they all hold to in some fashion or form that problems are passed down through the generations. So the first one of these is called intergenerational. And the big theorist here is Murray Bowen. The second one is contextual. And the third is object relations psychodynamic having the theorist of James Framo. And we'll talk more about these in the upcoming episodes of the podcast. And now we're going to spend a little time on intergenerational. So intergenerational theory that was kind of postulated, created, developed by Murray Bowen felt that people needed to separate from their family of origin. And family of origin is just simply a buzzword or buzz phrase in therapy to mean the family that you came from, the folks that you came from, your parents, maybe your siblings, that's your family of origin, versus your family of procreation, which is the family that you yourself create, your spouse, your partner, your children. So as individuals grew... Bowen believed that they needed to separate emotionally and physically from their parents. Now, we all know that we need to separate physically from our parents, that you become a certain age in our society 
and then you launch forward into the world and start to become a productive member of society. Or you launch into the world and then maybe there's a time you come back. But in the sense there is a physical separation of yourself and your parents and siblings. What people don't realize is is that there needs to be an emotional separation as well. And sometimes when there's not, one of two things happens. There's either a complete emotional distancing from family, which Bowen had called emotional cutoff. It's like he saw that I cannot be emotionally vulnerable or connected or different than my family So instead of addressing that issue, I'm just going to avoid it, cut it out, be done with it. The other way people deal with it is that they become so intermingled with their family emotions as an adult that they are what is called enmeshment or fusion. It's hard to separate their emotions from the emotions of their family. And what happens is people who are not different than their family of origin when they become an adult. They oftentimes look for or connect with other people, specifically in romantic relationships, that are also not very different emotionally or not emotionally separated from their family. And so what happens when two people like that get together, they start to do multiple things. So first off, they They almost look for their partner to somehow fulfill previous emotional roles in their family of origin. Or they're unable to maintain their emotional differentness and they begin to like enmesh or fuse with a child, which is Bowen had called triangulation. So two people who should be dealing with maybe certain emotions aren't or maybe are having anxiety created from these emotions instead of addressing with it they funnel that down to a child to kind of relieve that from the family and this stabilizes that anxiety however the problem is is that it prevents the child then from separating emotionally as they develop from their parents so then you see that transmission through the generation So as that child then develops and grows up, they will either emotionally cut off completely from the family or they'll be fused with that family. And then they will replicate the problem. And so Bowen felt or saw that the way to deal with this or to basically disrupt or hinder that generational pattern is that people need to be able to relate to their parents and their children without any type of emotional fusion or emotional cutoff. And the more they're able to do that, the better it is for that family in the subsequent generations. And so what I mean by that is, is if you are able as an individual to know what your thoughts and feelings are, and you're able to separate those two things, So you're able to say, this is an emotion versus this is what I'm thinking. And for those of you who are out there listening, who think that might be easy, that is very, very difficult. And I see this a lot when I am practicing therapy. 
is that there is a confusion or a blending of thought and emotion because people struggle with telling the two apart. So when people are able to tell their thoughts and their emotions apart and they are able to tell their thoughts and their emotions apart from the thoughts and emotions of others, specifically their families of origin, they then become, in a sense, what Bowen had called mature. And when an individual becomes mature in that regard, they hinder or cut off that intergenerational, or excuse me, that transgenerational occurrence of this. And then the next individual in the family is even more able to do that, and so on and so forth. And that generational line gets more and more healthy. Well, the interesting part is the opposite is also true. And what I mean by that is if an individual is not able to separate their thoughts and emotions, or they're not able to separate their thoughts and emotions from the thoughts and emotions of their parents or their other family members, they will at some point triangulate that down to their own offspring who will then develop the same way and they will pass that on through their generations and the subsequent generations will deal with it more and more and will have more emotional cutoff or more emotional fusion. And so that's just a little bit what I wanted to bring with you today. So what's interesting about inter intergenerational is they see health as becoming mature, being able to determine that your thoughts and feelings are different than each other and what they are, as well as that you can have thoughts and feelings that are different than your parents and your other family members. And then they kind of see the problems as this like blending of emotions and or just complete resistant to emotions and then triangulation, which is that mindset of you know, getting rid of anxiety by pushing it down onto a third party. Now, usually it's children, but doesn't always have to be children. And triangulation is also a buzzword. And I want to make that quite clear. Triangulation is also a buzzword. Multiple different types of therapies talk about triangulation. And it usually always involves two people not addressing things or maybe not talking about emotions or not communicating or not dealing with conflict. And instead funneling that energy down to a third party. So again, I just want to thank you for taking your time to listen to my podcast. And I hope that you're getting something out of this, even if it's just at this point, uh, more of an education about how different therapy is done. I appreciate your willingness to stick with me. And as we go through, I hope you enjoy our content. And if you do, go ahead and... I. I don't have any social media. I'm one of those people that have said social media causes me way too much distress and an already distressing time with the pandemic. Um, so I don't even know how this stuff works podcast-wise. So maybe you have to like it. Maybe you have to share it. Maybe you have to follow me. But if you like the content, please do whatever it is that needs to be done in order to promote this and to help share it with others. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast enough to share it with friends and family, and reach out with any questions you might have about mental health, and we will do our best in future shows to answer those questions. And remember, it might feel like you're isolated, and maybe you are, but you're not alone.